0: Welcome to MM Plays, our podcast where we design, play, and discuss a game and campaign. Along the way, we will alternate episodes between actual play adventures and the analysis and discussion of games and design theories that relate to the campaign we're playing. For this campaign, we'll be using the mechanics of Cortex Prime, designed by Cam Banks. We randomly selected a theme and ended up with swashbuckling high school urban fantasy. So, join MM Plays as we explore and enjoy a new campaign. And now, for the introduction of our players... My name's Chris Nizek, and I'll be
1: playing Silas Flameworth, some of the Flameworth family with a frozen soul that's not my own.
2: I'm Old Man Logan. I'm playing Henrik Gunny Gunderson, son of the Enigmatic Winter Wind and Rookie Elemental Mage.
0: My name is Jared. I'm playing Santiago Zircon. He is the rebellious and reluctant scion of a powerful magic family.
3: I'm Phil Vecchione, and I will be your GM. So let's cut back to Silas, Gunny, and Beau with Kurt. Kurt's standing there having uh, knocked back T.
1: Blown up his arcane shield. (laughs) Yeah, blown
3: up his arcane shield. The three of you, you're in this room, right? It's got a couple of exits coming off of it. But at this point, Kurt's like moving along the perimeter of the room. He doesn't look like he's making any attempt to leave at this point. There's nothing you've done that has given any real indication that he's in any kind of danger. And in fact, he's got a score to settle with you guys anyway.
0: Can you remind me of what traits are on the table? Because I can't see them from my end. Sure, I got you. So,
1: Kurt is overconfident, d6. That's just for me, though. Okay. I also have Son of a Flameworth, d8 on the table. Understanding how my magic works, which is about to be gone. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's, that's kicking over. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're. Am I still lost in the back rooms? I, I feel like I'm probably still lost in the back rooms. I don't know how to get out of here. Like, I'm. I'm you do not people. know how to get out yeah. of here. We also have It's Party Time, D8. That's only for when we are at prom, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a Magical Night is at D8, but there's a SFX on the table mm-hmm. where once per the session, you can spend one plot point to get a D12. Uh, we also have It Doesn't Add Up, D10, because of that really good conversation that we had. And then donuts. Mm-hmm. And then donuts. Mm-hmm. Candles and donuts. Candles and donuts. We have a false rift between Silas and Gunny at D6, but I think that's gone because I believe Gunny blew his cover last time. Yeah. I think that's fair, and I'll take that one off the table. Gunny also has easy money as easy be- at D8 because that's just getting way too good and having actual cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mom totally buys this because he's very good at lying to his mother now. hmm And to go along with that, he's got guilt at D6. That is accurate. Those are all the traits we have on the table. Okay.
3: Uh, yeah, and safety tools are normal collection. I... Put out the X card. I forgot to put out the uh, script change. We know the script script change, change, but you all know the script change. It's there. Use it if you need it.
1: Mm -hmm. In fact, I I would like to pause. Yeah. Because I like the flashback.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Set this up for us.
1: T and Silas are having a flashback. This is before prom started. Mm -hmm. There is a plan on the table where, like, if we get into a fight and it's looking grim, I just need you to give me a second because I think I could pull this thing off. Yep. So when I give you that look, just cover me for a hot second so I can get this thing going. You got it. And then we cut back to T getting his arcane shield shattered and covering me for a hot second.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: T will position himself, though, still to get in this guy's way. He's also positioning himself to get between Kurt and Bo because Kurt did say something about two more people to kill and he pointed at her. So Yeah, he did. So T is going to go from passive to aggressive now. So
3: All right, big guy. Twirls the dagger. If you still want to go, no more shield for you. Let's go. Flips the dagger.
1: Yeah, whose turn is it? It's either me or Bo. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: yeah. And Bo's only a floating d6, so. Yes. Yeah. So I guess it's me? Yeah. You see Silas. He's got the the flaming main Gaush in one hand, and he's got the soul of ice in his other hand, and he starts putting them together. And as he starts putting them together, the ice starts to steam and flame starts to surround it and the sword starts getting longer and then the sword turns into a two-handed greatsword made of a combination between the two blades fire surrounding steam that is compressed by the flames and then you hear silas say t duck and t will do that t will t will slide backwards and duck okay i'm gonna go at him I think I got to spend a plot point because he was still in a duel of tea because he won the last duel.
3: Yeah, I believe that. So here's
1: quite. your plot point to intercede. Sure. So this blade is called Love's Revenge. This is one of the uh, SFX that I built that I had to spend a bunch of experience points on to make happen. It is a great sword made of the combination of the Burning Heart and the Soul of Ice. It's got a hilt of flame, um, a rapier's fractured blade of ice that is partially steam, and the rest is formed of high pressure, that high pressure steam contained with uh, mana and fire to keep it shape. My magic affiliation is D12 when attacking, but I need to spend a mana dive around to keep this sword going, and I can't generate any mana when using this blade. Oh, I see. I currently have four mana dice, so this can last for four exchanges. Gotcha. Unless I spend more mana on it. I go right at him. This is straight-up duel, right?
3: Yeah, straight-up duel. We establish who goes first, correct? Yeah. All right. Roll plus affiliation, right? Yep, and my,
1: my mage affiliation... Oh, it's only when attacking. My mage affiliation is a D10, though. And my geek is a D10, so...
3: All right. I am rolling 2d10. I got a 13. No, you go first. I rolled a 3. Assuming you want to go first. I do, and I'm going to just grab a d6 mana die out of my pool, and I will set... There we go. Move that out of the way. Uh, I'm going to set with a modest 11 with a d10 effect.
1: Well, I'm going to go back at it. So overconfident d6, son of a flame worth d8, it's a magical knight d8, geek d10, Mage affiliation, because this is, you know, magic that's outside of the the normal thing. D12, because I'm attacking with the sword. Sure. And then I am going to go with a distinction. A frozen soul that's not my own, because this is four Mesame. Let's
3: see where this goes. It's a lot of dice.
1: Here's a 20 with a D12 effect die. Ouch, bro. No, I think he's just going to
3: have to take that.
1: He's just going to take that D12 effect.
3: He's going to pop his Arcane Shield. Yep, totally is. That's his Arcane Shield's history. My two best dice can only get me to 20. I could buy my way in, but you, that's a pretty, un, that's pretty improbable, and if I take it now, it's a D10 stress, which is going to pop my Arcane Shield anyway. Sure. So I'll take that one. I seed that duel to you.
1: I'm going to keep him in the duel. Sure. Now, I, I'm not sure who's next. It's either him or T or Gunny.
3: We'll cut to Gunny after we do one round through. We'll do one round through this this room, then we'll get back to Gunny.
1: All right. I slash at him as T-Ducks. I slash him with this giant greatsword, and it just blasts him backwards into one of the walls of this like weird, wet office space.
3: Yeah. And the walls are, uh, they're like a wet drywall. Oh, wet drywall. That's gross. Yeah. It throws him back into the wall and he hits it. It should just like break the drywall, but everything here is like damp, so the drywall gives, but it's because it's, like, also wet.
2: Like gross. It's just it, a little... It's so gross. It's squidgy.
3: Yeah, it's just... Like, it's the whole reason why it's called drywall, so it doesn't do this. So he hits the wall with, like, a kind of soft thud, but still pretty forceful. It leaves, like, a back-shaped dent in the, dry, in the drywall. I look, Moist wall.
1: Yeah. I look down at T. I'm like,
0: thanks for the distraction, buddy. Mm-hmm. And I give you a fist pound as I walk by. He stands back <laughs> up and fist pounds you as he... Maneuvers around to keep an eye on what's going on.
3: You want to give up now? He's like, "Give up? It's just getting good." He twirls the dagger one more time. Are we still dueling? Yeah, yeah. You kept. You what? said you were keeping him in the. Yep. So, okay, uh, so it's his turn. Let's right? roll for uh, roll for initiative. Yep. So just we these establish guys establish another duel.
1: I have an eight. I got a sixteen. Ooh, ooh, ooh okay. Uh, I will go first, and I will set. I'm gonna go. Well, he's still got the Overconfident going on, Son of a Flameworth. Some of that stuff is still the same. It's a Magical Knight. Uh, D12 for the the sword. Oh, I had to burn a mana die from that last thing from using the attack, so I only got three mana dice left. I'm going to kick the Son of a Flameworth now down to a D4 because I'm using this sword that is more on the mage side than it is on the Veil side. This is not stock standard stuff, and I know how to use it.
3: Pass you that
1: Thank you, appreciate that. I still get the D12 to attack, and then I will... Use my jack, which is a d10, so I will roll and set. I set at an 11 with a d12 effect.
3: I feel like I can beat an 11. Okay. Feeling pretty. I'm feeling confident enough I could beat an 11. The d12 scares me, um, so well, I'm going to try to beat this and at least make you have to do another round of this. As it should. Uh, first of all, that's a one, so park that. Uh-oh. Oh, he's got his own plot points. He does, but I only have a... Oh, I can get that. Okay. So, I will spend a plot point. That's actually a GM plot point, but that's for this anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. That'll get me. That'll keep me in it. That gets me at a 14. All but right. I have a one if you want to. I have a one if you want to buy it. No, I'm good. What does it look like when I, when I hit them and, and knock them
1: kind of back a little bit?
3: So, I, you definitely knock them back, right? So, for me to have to spend the point, you in a very anime style, right? You hit him with the blade and he's just got this, like, gold dagger, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got, like, his his hand up to block and then his other, like, he puts his other arm to kind of brace his wrist, but he slides back on the damp carpet. Like, there's just, like, a little, like, as he slides back uh, towards the wall that you already pushed him into. So he holds, but he loses ground.
1: When, uh, when he does that, I lean in a little bit and, like, you don't even know whose daughter you took, do you? Her name's Earlis and she wants you so bad. If I don't take you in, she's going to kill you.
3: You must look like with the blade that close to your face. You must look like completely maniacal. I do. It's like the flame is dancing over your face.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: At this point, he's still in this. He holds it 14. I pass it to you. He's staying in.
1: Yeah, I'm, gonna go. yep. I'm going to go. Yep. I am going to... Build, rebuild the die pool. I guess that is. Uh, it's D6 for overconfident. It's D8 for son of a flameworth. It is um a frozen soul. It's not my own for the distinction. Magical night. Yeah, except I'm gonna spend the plot point to get the D12.
3: Oh shit! I see what's about to happen. <laughs> so
1: I now have two D12s because I got the D12 for the attack, which I have to have to actually remove that because that's another. I'm only I only got two 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 die two two attacks left with this thing. I'm D10 for, for geek. That's all the dice, all six of them. This
3: fight has turned tides. You can just take these.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That is a 22. Oh, shit. And I'm going to add a second effect die that's a D8, so a D12 effect die and a D8 effect die. That's a 22?
3: Yeah. All right, here's what's going to happen. Even if I give in and those effect dice shift down, you have enough to beat him. Yeah. Because he had a D10, he, his stress track was a D10, mm-hmm. uh, which means your D10 fills his stress track, mm-hmm. but your second, D, your second D8, which shifts down to a um, D6, D six, D six is still enough that he can't take another stress. Yep. Tell me how this ends. Oh, you want to try to roll? You know what? Fuck it. I might as well. Yeah. He's going out anyway. Okay, if so. If you beat a 22, it'll be very dramatic. All right. Because I just used all of the stuff. All right. Well, let's see what I can pull together here. I had to get rid of my D10 mana die. I've grabbed my D8 mana die. Got 2D8. Oh. Well, that's not going to happen because I got a 1. Yes. I can only muster a 17 with no effect die. Mm -hmm. So now that's a D12 and a D6, which is like the super KO.
1: So I do that to his face, and I mention Earlis, which I don't even know if he knows who that is.
3: It doesn't seem to register anything.
1: Oh, uh, you don't know? That's unfortunate. Good thing I got you instead. So I have Kurt up against the drywall, his dagger, against this giant-ass flaming steam ice sword that I have. He's not really a pushover. He's kind of tough. So he manages to, to push me back, like kick me backwards off of him. And we start clashing. Their blades flash. There is a bunch of flare.
0: T, how do you, how do you help me take this guy down? T steps in. And as he slashes forward he literally stands behind you so that as he pushes you back you just stand against this this wall of not too smart muscle and he can't push you back any further which means that he's now stuck your reach advantage is now forcing him back because he can't keep forcing you around
1: and that reach advantage is what i keep at for a bunch of slashes thrusts and parries as he's backing up and backing up and then all of a sudden the blade crystallizes and you can see Mesame's eyes, and for a moment, figment of her appears off and the sword splits and me and her together slash at him from both sides until he is knocked backwards into a wall. And then I go high and she goes low, knocking him down, and then she goes back into the blade, which becomes that flaming sword again as I point it at his chest.
3: Stay down. Bo, like, who's right behind T, is like, did you see that? I did. Kenny, you are walking down the hallway with Yes. Yeah. The hallway is cold, you can see your breath, and you are walking, and you can now, as you've been walking for a little while with Erlis, you can hear something ahead of you.
2: There's activity, clearly.
3: Yeah, there, there's like sounds of, of voices and sounds of metal clashing mm-hmm. ahead of you.
2: Listen, I'm about to say something to frickin' Erlis. What am I even doing here in this hallway with you? Um, I'm gonna make a suggestion. And obviously, you can ignore the hell out of me. She turns and looks at you, like... But I'm going to do it anyway, even though it's terrifying. I know you want vengeance. I mean, you, you said the words, right? I heard them, right? Yes. And I can feel it coming off of you. Yes. Right? Other than the fact that, like, you are you and the cold emanating, but also son of the winter wind... I can feel it in the cold. I feel like you're trying to get to a point. I am. As much as you want that. Yes. There's something you want more. She cocks an eyebrow, turns her head and looks at you. In my my humble, feeble opinion, you want your daughter back. Of course I want my daughter back. Of course you do. Right. My suggestion is, barring any other feelings that you have, when we get in there, and I'm sure... Silas has Kurt taken care of. Rather than taking out your vengeance on Kurt, I think you and Silas should go take care of Mesime and make sure you get her back and she's okay for the three of you. And let the rest of us kids take care of turning Kurt over to the people that are going to be here probably in five minutes. To the veil. To the veil. You may still get a chance to wreak some vengeance at some point but doesn't that feel like maybe you know like mesame should be the priority
3: at this moment you're going to create an asset that it's going to be used in an upcoming scene Mm -hmm. so this is your argument to her tell me what difficulty you would like to set the asset at because that's going to be the initial (laughs) difficulty Mm -hmm. of trying to win her over with this logical argument
2: i'm not going to push this too hard because I, i mean i have to be able to pull this off. I mean, if I try to make it a 12, I feel like I, I might have a chance if I try and keep this around an 8.
3: All right, so 2d8 for the difficulty. Earlis will be using the distinction, the icy heart, a d12.
2: Of course. Assemble your pool. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going on pure emotion here. This is all... Um, yeah, that feels about right. We're running hot.
1: You set... It's an asset creation, so you set yes. the difficulty. <laughs> yep. A reasonable argument, if you're looking for a name.
3: Thank you. Here we go. How does Earlis feel about your argument... You have a chance. I got a one, and I have a 11.
2: You have a decent shot. I'm looking at a 10 and a pair of eights. I mean, it is a magical night. Maybe I can get lucky. Up to you. <laughs> I mean,
3: yes, it's a magical night. I'll, I'll take it.
2: All right. That's at the 10, D8,
3: eight. if you were going to yep. spend a plot point, that's different.
2: Nope. Are you going to beat an 11? Yep. Uh, how's a 14? 14 beats an 11. You have a D8 asset.
3: So she listens and she says to you, she's, I'm going to put that DDS set in front of me. By the way, while you were putting your pool together, I removed Kurt's overconfident. He's uh-huh. no longer overconfident. I'm fairly sure it.
2: that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's no longer overconfident. So she sighs for a second and she's like, yes, of course I prioritize my daughter, but you must assume that it would actually take some effort for me to kill somebody as pitiful as this boy.
2: Oh, I make no mistake, you could probably just walk into the room, glare at him, and he would go down. I, I, she I, turns and
3: looks at you, her eyes kind of squint a little, <laughs> and she winks for a second. Indeed.
2: Oh, God, I hope we're there soon, because you're still
3: terrifying. For a few minutes, you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. The two of you continue to walk, and you can hear, now you hear like a, a big thud from ahead of you. And uh, Earlis breaks the silence. And she turns to you and she's like, for what it's worth, I voted against that plan. You deserved to be raised in the community. But Victor and your father were convinced this was the best idea. But seeing you with his axe and your powers awakened, I can only assume that
2: something's gone wrong. Oh, thanks. You look surprised. I know nothing because everybody's keeping me in the dark. Are you serious? And she stops walking. Yeah, I know Nothing. As far as I know, he's a renegade being hunted by the veil and he's being real dodgy and they can't catch him. Both of her hands
3: extend and grab the sides of your head. She turns your head so that
2: she can look directly into your eyes. It's so cold. Pinpoints of ice penetrate my temples.
3: If your tears could freeze, they may have at this moment. Oh, they did tell you, but somebody has made you forget. Oh, I wonder who that would be. They can do
2: that. <laughs> of course, they can do
3: that. It figures. Well, she starts walking again. When all this is done, perhaps you should ask Victor what he's
2: hiding from you. I think I will. Let's go clean up the mess.
3: Kurt is uh, in a heap against the wall with like the moist drywall fallen on him. As you guys are standing over, you have exerted yourself a bit. All of a sudden you see your own breath. So does T, so does Bo. The air drops in temperature. Hoarfrost, that thin layer of frost, starts to spread across the walls, across the floor, the ceiling, and just starts moving to surround the room. Starting from the hallway you came in until it completely overtakes the room. Seals off any other exits from this room. You turn to see earlis walking in. She's wearing like a white suit, and standing next to her is Gunny.
2: Hey, buddy. Hey. Told you they'd have it taken care of. Count on you to bring the cavalry. Well, <laughs> it
0: seemed like the thing to do. Boy, you don't go small when you go, do you? I turn and stand in front of Kurt, putting myself between Kurt and Erlis. That's Messamay's mom. They say that to Bo.
3: She seems really powerful.
0: I, th- I think Silas's dad is afraid of her.
3: Earlis, she takes like one step towards you. Do you have my daughter?
1: I sense the backpack to see if I can feel the rest of Mesabe's essence. hmm Yes, I do. I did exactly what I said I would do.
3: Is that the boy responsible? It is. Then let me do what exactly I said I would do. I think not. Ice starts to creep along the floor.
2: Didn't we discuss this?
3: She snaps a look at you, and the hallway you came from closes
2: up with ice.
1: I will let the fire spill out of me and keep it from getting to him, and then I will sense for the essence
0: of Mesame
1: in the backpack and channel it through the sword so she can talk to her
0: mom. T will very quietly just go and stand behind you on one side.
3: Bo moves up to you. So first of all, let me just, in case it becomes important, this room is now an icy chamber D10. And
0: T puts his hand on Silas's shoulder just gently, like, we're back here.
3: Here's the deal. I have a trait that you are free to take one turn to attack before we make a roll to see what she's going to do. I have come for vengeance, starting at a d10.
1: Well, it's attack the I have come for vengeance trait.
3: Yes. At the end of this turn, and this is all of you, you all get a chance to make some speech, do something, whatever it is, to dissuade her. At the end of this turn, if the trait is actually still on the table, I will make a roll to see if, you know, she can actually do it. You guys can, actually, you can resist her with magic. If the trait is wiped out, then she will not do anything. But she has come here for a purpose, and she is here for vengeance. I'm going to let Silas lead, and then I'm going to kick it to Gunny, because you had that moment with her, and you have, a, you have your own asset, and then to T. Well,
1: I'll spend this to do what I said I was going to do, this, this plot point, to say that Messamay can talk to her mom through the sword.
3: I'll take that. So that's going to give you a D6 D
1: six D six asset, yep. Of, of Messamay's voice. Put a lot of assets on the table.
0: <laughs>
3: it's getting busy out here. Silas, we have been on the same side of this all along. This boy is worthless trash. He has committed magical offenses to the Vale. He has committed magical offenses to my family. Allow me to do what should be done with him. And not what those arcane rules, those narrow, weak, milled rules are going to do to him. He does not deserve to sit in a prison. He deserves to be frozen. That's
1: not how this works. If we just did what we wanted to do, then it would be like it was before. It would just be elementals and magical humans ruling over the rest
3: of the world. Mm -hmm. You sound just like your
1: father. He's not perfect either, the whole thing isn't perfect, but it's not you to be the jury, judge, and executioner. Besides, what would your daughter think? Oh, let's ask her. I hold the sword up, and then she speaks. I don't know, what she say?
3: In that moment, she's like, Mom, I'm safe. You don't have to kill this boy. Let him face the veil like every other mage in this world. Her looks. She sighs for a second, she shakes her head. If this was just Annie... Petty magical thief or magical miscreant. I'd be fine handing him over to the Vale. But he has hurt you. And in doing so, he has hurt me. And there is only one law when it comes to that. You can hear the ice all around the room tighten. It like squeaks, it cracks...
1: It's like steam emanating up around me because I'm a little fiery.
3: Yes. Let's go ahead and make your roll. So 2d10 for I've come for vengeance and a d12 for the icy heart.
1: Well, I have a relationship with her. I suppose I can use that, huh?
3: Oh, you absolutely should mm-hmm. use this relationship. d
1: relationship die. Oh, actually, I can use that too. You can. This is obviously, I'm appealing to her, to her emotions, so this is obviously emo and I'm not great at that. And this is Veil, which, oh my god, this is bad for me. I reduced my Veil die down to a d4, so...
3: <laughs> are you super convinced that the Veil might be the best thing for him at this moment?
1: I mean, I'm arguing for justice for the Veil.
3: Yes. Just not well at this <laughs> no, point. No, Your no. Your emotions are kind of running amuck right now. Yeah,
1: but I am the son of a flameworth. You are. And I do have Ves- Messamay's voice on my side. You do. So I am rolling five dice. I have zero plot points. Ain't no way. I got a 15. Yeah, I got a 12. So, no, I don't actually reduce the trait at all. Okay, no ones. No
3: ones. Otherwise, I would be in your ear about joining me. You
1: see Silas, like, he is arguing as best he can, but he looks tired and ragged and and
2: beat down. I thought maybe that the conversation we had that we, like, actually maybe connected just a little bit. The moment we shared? The moment we shared, She turns and looks at you. Which I never thought I would have had a moment with Erliss. Are you also going to plead for this piece of trash? I am. (sighs) You've been around a lot longer than I have, clearly. She
3: again cocks her eyebrow at you and smiles. You have some sort of weird charm. She's weirdly taken back by you.
2: I'm hoping that helps. (laughs) If you spend your entire existence with vengeance on your mind... Where's the room for everything else?
3: (laughs) Do you think this is one, the first person
2: I've killed? Do you think that I lose sleep over these things? No, but that actually is the part that I think you should be concerned about. That you can just, without even caring, just like, yeah, just like that. You've got this family unit thing, you know, where's the
3: love? You want to turn him over to the very organization that has deceived you
2: for most of your teenage years? I gotta admit, I'm pretty pissed at them right now. But like Silas said, it's not a perfect system, and they're not perfect people.
3: Yes, and sometimes that system needs to be discarded for real natural justice.
2: Real natural justice leads to anarchy. There's gotta be rules. There can be rules when this is done. (laughs) Go ahead. All of the emos. You got a reasonable argument out there. I do. And that's, a, what was an eight, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Grab that reasonable argument.
1: And you got it's a magical knight out there too, that you Yield. can use it for a D12.
2: Yield
3: Veil for eight. Got a plot point? Uh, I have a plot point. You can have that D12 magical night if you want it.
2: Let's do it. And I feel like, I'm using, for my distinction, I'm using, I can't disappoint my mom. I think my mom has raised me to be a better know, person. A better person.
3: I like that. I got an eight.
1: Oh, you opened the door wide. If I was Phil, I would have rolled your guilty against you for doing that with your
2: mom. Throw another D6 in there, dude. That's fair. I got a nine. How's about a 16? Which is the effect? I... Uh, a 10? That'll bump it down to an eight. Oh, wait. You said 9? If, if you can get a 10 with a D12 effect die. I got 12 die. with a 12. There you go. I got a 12 with a 12. Mathing is hard.
3: Mathing is hard. I can't even, if, even if I buy my other two dice, I can only get to a 15. N- yeah, oh, but that's, that's enough. You get a 12. Oh, you have a 12? Yeah. You have a, you have a 12 with a 12 effect die. Yeah. Yes. Do you so, have a better number with a, with a lesser effect, die? Do 16 with a effect yeah, D, die?
1: 16 with a D10 effect die. Yeah, 16 with a we'll just knock it
3: yeah. down to a D8. Yeah. But I mean, so if I do buy these two and add those in, that puts me at a 16, mm-hmm. but that's not enough to, to beat his number.
1: Yeah, All but right. you have to get higher then, so we will just knock that 10 down to a D8. Then T has to make the argument. Yeah. You could do that.
3: She'll hold out. That's fair. All right.
1: Her vengeance is a little less vengeful.
3: Yeah, she's... There's something about you, son of the winter wind. That's I am charming. Not... That's not what she says. But... Hey, rebel that's not a rebel. <laughs> She looks at you and she's like, despite what's happened, you still value these laws. She nods. Not just about the laws.
0: No. You freeze him to whatever. He's just gone. If you want him to really suffer, put him in with the veil. But the point is this. Don't wreck this night for your daughter. She asked you not to do this. Not Silas. Not Gunny. Not me. Your daughter. You're about to get her back. Not killing him for her is more important. He'll get what's coming to him. And besides, if he's in the veil, you've got the rest of your life and whatever little amount he has left till you find him again to ignite your vengeance if you have to. But don't wreck this night for her.
3: Go put some dice together and take that uh um, What's the Mesome die? What's D6. Six?
0: Nice argument, T. Good job. All right. We have uh, not just a huge dumb guy. I'm arguing magic at this point. This is probably emo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: Oh, yeah, this is all feels.
0: Okay. If I can get Bo to say something on the side, I could add that in, but that's about it. It's a magical night, D8. It's eight. a magical night, D8. Or D12 if you want to spend the I'll point. bump it up. Why not? This is the time to use it.
3: Oof. What have I got? I got a 19. Oh, Ooh. no. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. I got squat. I got the best I can get on this is a 15. And I got a one. That sucks. You, were, you rolled a 10 on the D10 too. Yep. So close. Yeah, so close. All right. So. You guys should not have left this to T.
3: <laughs> it was a good argument though. It was a good argument. Yeah, we it tried. That's the first time that die popped up. I Maybe almost two. argued
1: for you to not spend the plot point on a magical knight just to get have a, <laughs> another it die. It, w- to your pool. it wouldn't have helped.
0: It wouldn't have. Yeah, helped. it wouldn't have. But it wouldn't have helped. I didn't, I didn't roll enough. I, I would have gotten the best I could have gotten was a 16. Yeah, it's okay.
3: So. These things happen. That's why we roll yep. dice. At this moment, you've all made your speeches. She looks at all of you. You are all very thoughtful. You are all quite well-spoken. And under other circumstances, I feel as if I could be persuaded by your arguments. And I don't want you to feel bad for what's about to happen. But he, the ice in the room, like, starts to expand, took my daughter... Each syllable, it gets colder, and the ice starts closing in. You can, together, mount a magical defense. Silas is kind of holding point with with some fire. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's keeping this room from reaching an unsafe amount of cold right now.
1: Who wants to go first as we fight Erlis? I do. Okay.
3: Erlis is represented by 2d12, but a d8 for her. Her vengeance. Her vengeance isn't as resolve as it was before.
2: I step in between, I look at her and I just, I pop the axe and throw a headwind at her.
3: Yeah, okay. So headwinds now like roar in this like little enclosed icy chamber. T?
2: I don't have control yet. I, I bought
0: control but I don't have the, the second step of it to do anything with it. Mm. But is, is the second
1: step a moment? You have to spend exper- experience points to unlock it. The point of the unlock mechanic is that it's something that happens in play, and then you're like, "Cool, that this thing happened, so now it's unlocked."
3: So this could be like a really. I assume you have some experience points. Yes.
1: How many DD for that? I don't, I don't know if I got have enough. Hang which on. which number is it? How many control effects do you have? I have four. This it's is fifteen
0: to unlock. Oh, I've got enough to do that. Then. There you go.
3: This okay. might be the time where you suddenly gain control of of your um, Earth powers. There you go. Okay.
0: I've also got my my sword out already, so I will use control and. We're going to make this guy into a uh, insulated burrito. Yeah, there you go. Like the carpet's is going to roll up on him from both sides and protect him from the cold. So, that is going to be I'm going to assume it's going to be emo.
3: Yeah, you don't uh, have to you don't have to roll. You're going to you're going to all pull a pool together okay, in a second. Okay, got it. And like then against her stupid scale. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Me.
1: So minus minus two prongs. I got Mesame and I got I got me. So when I see what T is doing, I'm going to assist him by pouring a bunch of heat into the into the stone burrito to keep it warm. Okay. And then Mesame is going to help me by pushing back using our control against the ice that is forming all around around this burrito, trying to freeze the the poor kid. That sounds legit.
0: I, I will look over at Bo and say, "Do not pull her nightmares out at her."
3: Please no. (laughs) I put my other hand on her shoulder, do not do that. (laughs) All right, let me pause for a second, if I remember correctly, scale is an extra die, right? Yeah, it's an extra die. Let me get her pool set up correctly. She's a d8 for I've come for vengeance. Her normal powers are actually, she is not an ancient monster, she is an exceptional adult. So, she is a 2d10, and then with scale, she gets a D extra d10. And she can add three dice. Yes, and she can go three dice into this pool. My, My pool is now correctly set up, go ahead and assemble your- How do you want us to build our pool? So let's go with... Um, is everybody adding, what, one die,
1: two die, three die, what? Let's
3: base it off of you, and then everybody else can kick in a die.
1: Cool. So we have we have Mesame's voice, because she's helping. Yep. We have Son of a Flameworth, because I'm using my flame powers, actually, which is unusual. Sure. Um, we have my relationship with Urlis, so I maybe understand her magic a little bit because of that. Sure. Because of her daughter. My mage die, which is a D10 currently, to try to counteract her magic. It's a magical knight, which is a D8. Um, I will kick in both of my remaining mana pool dice to this because God blessed Lord Almighty, this is bad, and then geek d10, yeah, so I have like all these dice okay,
3: I have the relationship die for the two of us.
1: The problem is is I don't have any plot points to to kick into uh, all
0: right. uh they all get to kick in dice too right yeah, yeah, yeah. take a d10 from me, okay, Bose d six is still on the table if it helps. sure, why not you never know, yep. Go
3: to sleep. Go to sleep. Go I'm to sleep. gonna roll so many
1: freaking ones. It's gonna be so bad. <laughs> what about your headwind? What does that give me?
0: Uh, that's a D8. All
1: right. Go ahead and roll some stupid number, Phil.
0: See a bunch of the ones here.
1: It is
3: a 12.
1: No, it's not. You get to add three dice. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a 16. You are uh,
0: correct. It is a 16. You can beat this, Chris. This is doable. You can do this. Ain't doable without a plot point, boys.
1: The best I can pull together is a uh, 14. If we had one plot point, we'd be
3: fine. But we don't, so we fail. The room gets super cold. You all stand against each other, squared off. Your power's flaring, her power's flaring. And she stops. And she turns and looks at the hallway that you came through. Mm -hmm. And the ice is melting on the... The entrance to that hallway. Mm-hmm. As the ice gets thinner, you can see multiple figures behind it. And then finally, it gives way. And Victor is standing there with his hand up. And he's like, By the order of the veil, stand down. And Erlis turns. She puts her hands up. Okay. I see. It's fine, Victor. It's perfectly fine. She relaxes and. The room starts to warm up as, like, Victor walks in and, like, looks around, and he's like, where is he? I point to the burrito. Can you, uh, unwrap him?
0: Yeah, we, it takes a little bit, but we get him unwrapped.
3: Okay. Two veil agents come over. They lift him up, and he's all groggy-eyed. He's, you know, essentially taken out, but he, like, starts to come to, and they slap a couple of arcane shackles on him with various sigils and stuff like that, sigils and stuff like that. to keep. His power from going. Earless looks... Do you have the essence? Yes. I assume we could put my daughter back together?
0: Yes. That's the reason we're all here. By the way, I'm, like, pouring sweat, and I look terrible. Yes. We're all looking a little raggedy. <laughs> yeah, right like, like, I'm standing there with, like, half a tux on, scars on my arm and everything. I, I haven't stopped running or using magic <laughs> for, like, 45 minutes.
1: That's, like, a, that's like a whole, like... Workout, yeah. man. Yeah,
3: it, it's been like the most magic you've you've like ever used. Earless is like, I see no reason to wait.
1: Well, then let's do it.
3: Agreed. Victor, like, waves his hand over the room and it like warms up and the soggy carpet goes from soggy and then he just kind of holds his hand over the carpet till it dries out. He comes over to you and he's like, "Are you okay?"
1: Define okay. I didn't die. What just happened?
0: We'll
2: explain later.
1: Yeah, I got something to do right now. We're going to put He'll Mesame back together.
2: He'll be fine, but you and I are going to have words. Right now, Mr. Flameworth, we're, we need to get
0: Mesame's essence back. That's the important part.
1: That thing right there, which I have it all now. The rest of us are here to help bolster this ritual. We can all help. Let's do it. I, I pull the string backpack off
3: and I look inside. And there is a container with a rather large sapphire inside the container and you can just you can feel the magical energy
1: i pull the sapphire out which then i assume slaps into the sword because that's what i did last time there was essence around
3: yeah it you know kind of pulls back together the ritual everybody helps you with
1: yeah when that happens the blade looks much more together than the fractured thing that it's been yes like looks almost like a complete and total rapier at this point
3: exactly earlis comes over and Victor's like scowling at her and she just looks at him like, what? I am here to help your son reassemble my daughter. And he looks back at her.
2: You two want to argue later? That's great. We got stuff to do. Victor, what would you do if somebody threatened
0: your son? Think about that. Let's get this taken care of. I'm sorry. He would have said, "Mr. Fl-. at this point he would call him Mr. Flameworth. Yeah,
3: I was going to say. He,
0: here he would call him Mr. Flameworth. He only calls him Victor when it's just the two of them. I look at both of you. I'm know, like, both of you just shut up. <laughs> Can we just do this, please? Yes.
3: Let's get to work. And all of you begin to lay out a ritual. The sword goes into the center of the ritual. The gem goes into the center of the ritual.
1: I suppose I go into the center of the ritual, too.
3: Yes. This part will be particularly uncomfortable. Can't be any worse than when I got a short
1: sword shoved into my chest.
3: Victor puts his hand on your shoulder. He's like, I've got you. Thanks, Dad. And... Um, Earlis takes the opposite side. I will draw the essence out. Victor's like, I will bolster you while this occurs. Sounds good. As uncomfortable as it was accepting
1: the essence. It's way worse getting it pulled out of me, I'm sure.
3: The final unbinding is going to be extremely uncomfortable. As for you two, you can begin to concentrate and focus your energies on the circle to keep this stable. Meanwhile, like, the other two Vale guys have Kurt. Like, they just got him up, like, up against a wall. He's a wreck. Like, they're basically holding him up at this point.
1: Dad, do you want to get these guys to get him out of here? I don't know that Messamade is going to want to see this guy first thing.
3: Good point. Take him back out through the portal. They walk Kurt off. Is everybody ready? Yes. Yeah? Let's do it. There's no role necessary for this ritual. Having all the components and with this much magical power, this happens. The result of it, I will just give you a plot point because I'm just going to intercede at this moment um, and give you a D10 stress. Sure. The ritual is not quick. It is excruciating towards the end. The beginning starts relatively simple Simple as Earlis draws the initial essence out and back into the blade. God, if
1: this tingle is all it's going to be, this won't be, oh
3: God! Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. <clears throat> And the two of you watch Silas just go through, um, racked with pain, no. sweating. Jesus until finally, like, and you can see the essence. It's like it's actually like pulling like from his chest My soul's and being torn like, apart. streaming back. And it literally is, because for how long you have been bonded to Mesame, your soul and hers started to blend together. This ritual rends. That blending. And if it had only been a couple days, it would have been relatively easy to separate. But now that it's been like months, um, this rending is particularly excruciating. It eventually ends. And when it finally is ripped out, like you are only being held up because your father is bolstering you with energy. You're just kind of hanging there. He has his hands on your shoulders and you can feel he's moving mana. To you. I feel like my heart would have stopped a few times. He's like, You're almost there, son. It's almost over. And as the essence finally releases from you, it hangs over the sword and the gem and it pulls the essence out of the gem. And as it does, as it gets to be more and more essence, it starts to form a humanoid shape and eventually that humanoid shape kind of rests on the ground next to the sword and then it goes from this kind of ethereal humanoid shape little details start to fill in it goes from being just this kind of ethereal like green gray to starting to have skin tone and then eventually it's mesme the way you saw her the last time, like the outfit she was wearing in the summer. So she was just like in shorts and a t-shirt and all of that reforms. All of a sudden, there's no more essence moving. The two of you feel the magic circle dip in power. Earlis is standing there with like a single tear on her cheek. Like it's not, it doesn't even move. Like it just is frozen To her cheek. Silas, your legs give way, but your dad is whole, even though he's just holding your shoulders, he just gently lowers you down onto your knees in front of the ritual. Messame just lays there, her eyes closed. She's just laying there in the middle of the magical circle.
1: I crawl over to her and I check to make sure that she's breathing and I look up at Erlis. did the thing
3: i told you i would and she nods at you like approvingly in like the slightest of nods
1: then i lean down next to her i'm like
3: hey you can wake up now because i'm really tired and her eyes blink and she looks at you and she's like oh hi silas am i are are we separated yeah may may we're good i'm gonna i'm gonna lie down here now And she wraps her arm around you and lowers you. like She's like, just rest here. And I do. I put my head
1: on her shoulder and I just close my eyes and that's it.
3: Beau's like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I
0: know. Happy prom.
1: Thank you for listening to Misdirected Mark Plays. Now let's do some Patreon shoutouts before we get out of here. Let's start with the royal court, the Polish ogre, who's our very own Polish ogre. Lars Henrik Evjan, the lord out of time. Jim, the royal merchant emeritus. Chromatic Chameleon, the queen's spy mistress. JT Evans, the queen's librarian. Schmitty, the keeper of the labyrinth. Andrew Dacey, the warden of Whiskies; John Carney, the court necromancer. Craig, the lord of one name. Tiberius Starcrash Smith, the baron of Britannia. Eric Bontz, the Wear gator Kevin Lovecraft, the royal beard. Now we have some other patrons who are about to get their shout out. John, Chris Constantine, Miko Froelich, Eric Simon, Athelis, not that Billy Mitchell, Fiona, Kathleen Halperin, Christopher Gamelk, Michael Beck Esperum, Joseph Noel, Carlos Dilemma, Michael Draper, Alice Kira, Jim Fitzpatrick, Brentley Harris, Steve Radabaugh, Rory McLeod, Ninjabi, Richard Wyatt, Joseph Peralta, Brian Kurtz, my Brett, not my Brett, but somebody's Brett, Chris Steele, Jared Rasher, the Deliverator. He belongs to an elite order, a hallowed subcategory. Bridget. Kubanu, Eileen Barnes, and Brandon Barnes. Thank you so much for being our patrons. If you'd like more content like this, you can check it out at misdirectedmark.com. If you are interested in supporting this show and other shows on Misdirected Mark Productions, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com mmp. You can get a whole bunch of stuff there, including extra bonus podcast episodes, material concerning this game, The Children of the Shroud. That includes character sheets, our game rules, some of our setting stuff, and Phil's thoughts from behind the screen. If that's not your thing, you can check out a bunch of other podcasts on misdirectedmark.com. There's Pandas Talking Games with Phil and Sunda. They talk about a whole bunch of games, so it's like card talk for your role-playing game. You can go check out the Gnomecast, where a bunch of gnomes get together to try to avoid being thrown into the stew by giving quality game-mastering advice. Or you can listen to Thaco with Advantage, where Ange and Jared talk about D&D. They're going to talk about it anyway, so they might as well record it. Thank you for joining us. This has been a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop, we out.